you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. And then we'll also look at Luke chapter 14. So if you've got Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, put your finger in there and then turn over to Luke chapter 14. And we'll start reading Luke 14, verse 25. Praise the Lord. Luke 14, 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciples. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And skipping down to verse 33. So likewise, whoever he of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. If we turn back to Matthew chapter 10, and verse 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men... Him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. But I come not to send or bring peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man in conflict against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemy shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we know that these words were said long time ago, Lord, that have been recorded for our benefit, Lord, for us, our learning, for our teaching, Lord Jesus, for our hearts, Lord, for our minds, Lord, to be enlightened, Lord, about how we need to approach things. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today, in Jesus' name, amen. These passages talk about a cost. A decision to follow Jesus comes at a cost. It comes at a whole of life cost. There are some obvious costs when we follow Jesus, and there are some not so obvious costs, some hidden costs. I'm going to first provide an example. If we read through that, Jesus went on and provided examples of the kinds of things we have to consider and count the cost. <coughs> Something that's probably fairly common to most of us, we either have bought a home or are buying a home or are renting a home. And so when we come to buy a home, we look at where we want to leave, we look at the best price, and we decide that this is the house we'd like, and we buy that. We purchase the asking price or the price that we've negotiated. Or if you're renting, negotiate the price of that rent. <coughs> but the cost of living in that house or cost of owning that house or being in that house 
is actually a bit bigger than that. Because if we look at whole of life cost, the whole of home ownership cost, there's a little bit more to it. If you've gone to buy a house, there's the asking price or sale price that you paid, but very few of us have the money to buy that house outright. So we need to go to the bank and borrow some money. And the bank will happily oblige to lend you money if you have the means, but there's a cost. And uh, you'll get a series of documents in very small writing, and you will find in there that there's a cost for setting up the loan. And there's a cost for checking the registration of the loan and registration of the property. You'll find that there's additional fees for various other things, lawyer's fees, there's a mortgage fee, there's an insurance fee in case you default on the mortgage, <coughs> there's a loan, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> loan valuation ratio, all kinds of things. There's a tax that you actually have to pay. <coughs> People call it stamp duty, but it's a tax. And so the price of that house you've purchased is actually the price of the house, plus all these other fees, and those fees keep going, and they get too much, and you just kind of wave your hands. You go, just tell me what the bottom line is. Just tell me what it's going to cost me to borrow to buy this house. And then you go, actually, I don't really want to even know that. I just want to know how much I have to repay in small amounts per month or per fortnight. And so we bring it down and we accept that we've bought the house or we've negotiated the rent <coughs> and that we are going to have all these other costs to pay. But we can't just park them because they're a bit too much to keep in our mind and we just accept that that's the case. And we work out a price that we pay on a fortnightly or monthly basis to the bank. And we know very well that when we add up those payments over a period of time, we actually end up paying the bank much more than the house was worth or the how much it was bought for. It might appreciate in time. In, 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 it might appreciate in value in time. But we've paid a whole lot more than how much it's worth. That's the obvious cost. But there are other costs. There's a whole range of other costs. As soon as you buy the house, then you need to move. Moving doesn't come, <coughs> it's not that expensive, but it's an additional cost. Particularly if you're moving from one side of town to the other or one town to the other, you have to hire a truck, removalist, perhaps train or whatever it may be. And it might only cost a few hundred dollars, but it might cost a few thousand dollars for you to move in. And when you move in, you'll need to set up because when you move out, when you move in, you realize that there are some things that are not worth taking. But when you get to the new one, you've got to buy those things or similar ones again. There's lots of cleaning stuff, lots of gardening stuff, things that we just take for granted. But when you get to the new house and you buy them, they're just little things, but they add up and they cost a bit. And then... If you've purchased a house that you've moved into, um, you might have some furniture that you bring in yourself. But in time, you'll probably want to have some more furniture. You might have more rooms than you had before, and you'll want to furnish them. <coughs> There'll be additional furniture to buy. There'll be some things that which are essential, some appliances that you'll need to have. You might need to buy a different fridge. We call that essential. It's about 100 years that the fridge has been around for, but it's, it's essential for us today. It might be essential for us to have uh, 
I don't know, maybe a microwave. But there are some things which are uh, desirable. <coughs> the microwave might be desirable. There might be, might be a lounge that you want to exchange, but you'll bring the old one and then you'll buy another one because you're in a new house, you want to <coughs> buy another one. And then you might want to change the curtains or other things. There's annual fees that come up as well. Uh, council fees, water fees, they come up once a year. Thankfully, some of those have been changed and they're coming on a period over the course of the year, but there are additional fees. And then there is usage fees. You've got to pay for the water that you use. You've got to pay for the gas you use, electricity you use, the internet, the phone, the insurance, and all kinds of other things over the course of a year. You might actually have to maintain the place. The water heater might go. <coughs> the lights might go. The gate might go. A door, a window. The carpet probably needs to be cleaned. The garage might need to be maintained. There are some things you want to do. What happens if you think of some renovations? <coughs> Those costs just go up because you probably want to paint. You might want to change a room, change change some things. There are more significant costs. There are larger costs. And we haven't even touched the outside. There might be accidents and damages. You know what? All these things are the consequence of us moving into that house. We accept the obvious costs and we shrug our shoulders at those hidden costs. When they come up, we juggle, we prioritize, we put some off, we say we won't do it, we want to do it, but we won't. We don't think too much about them really. We just accept them, we say that's the cost of having a home, of having that privacy, of having that uh, place that we call home, of having that castle in which we can dwell. We just scratch our heads and we say, it's a necessity, it's the outcome, it's the consequence, it's the cost, it's worth it, because it is our home. That's one example of cost. There's another type of cost, which are not necessarily financial costs, but there are costs associated with relationships. When we choose to enter into a longer-term relationship into a, with a husband or a wife, there's a cost. There's a cost in our life. The types of associations which we have may change, probably will change. The types of priorities which we had may change, may remain the same, but they're likely to change. And particularly, different people have different views, they're likely to change. Some of the activities that we're involved in, and maybe we didn't want to be involved in, we may be involved in. Our level of commitment, our walk to the Lord, is likely to be affected as well, for the better or for the worse. Our personal growth, our health, your health is going to be affected when you choose to marry. The type of travel, where you travel, ministry, whether you have one at all, the children that you'll have, and the influence that you'll have on their lives, the leadership or the type of the things you'll be involved in will all be affected by the type, by the individual that you choose to marry. These are the consequences. They are the outcome. And we sometimes think about them, sometimes we don't. Similar like with the home, because we're looking forward to the purpose 
of that relationship is to be together, to have companionship, to encourage one another. All those other things we may just accept. <coughs> Some of them we'll consider a little bit more deeply. Some of them we may not. And they may have positive or negative consequences. But those consequences are a cost. And if we are in a relationship, and there are things that a spouse may do, there may be indiscretion, infidelity, there may be laziness, there may be substance abuse, alcohol, there may be anger issues, all kinds of things, all the things we've discussed will be affected and more. Particularly if, we have, if there are children, those children are going to be affected. Depending on their ages, it has been shown, people know that when a relationship is going through trial, difficult times, children often blame themselves. They don't understand what's going on. They think it's their fault. And their self-esteem is affected. Their ability to concentrate, their schoolwork, their grades often drop. And it has influence in their life for a long time. Where, <coughs> because of a breaking of respect, because of breaking of trust, because of breaking of honor, whatever the case may be, the consequences and the cost of those actions or the character flaw that hasn't been addressed are far-reaching. The cost is going to be affecting you and the, sp and the spouse and the children and the time of not spending with them, the time of not guiding them. Fortunately, God can arrest those things when we place our situations in His hands. These are unintended costs. These are unintended consequences because of things which we dot, did not count, did not consider through before we became involved or before we allowed certain things to take place in our lives. These are the costs of examples. We're not really here to talk about those things. There's a whole range of things we could talk about. These are activities we get involved in we may get involved in it because of a dispute, because of an agreement. The positive experience that should have been had turns into a bit of a, <coughs> a bit of a negative experience. The preparation that we're supposed to be doing that uh <coughs> for for something in the future turns into something negative because of some choice or decision that we made, some words we said, which affect what's going to happen in the future. But we're going to focus on the cost of choosing to follow Jesus. There's a spiritual cost to following Jesus. Following Jesus means that we accept that Jesus is our teacher, that he's our example. Might be pretty obvious. But when an individual who's involved in arts or entertainment, or sport, or some kind of academic endeavor, submits themselves to their coach, to their trainer, to their professor, they put that person at the place of priority in their life. It doesn't mean that person doesn't have a family. It doesn't mean that person doesn't eat, doesn't have any time for themselves. But they put that person as the place of priority and everything else comes secondary. Jesus taught us one having authority and not as the scribes. We, the consequence, the cost of following Jesus is that we are not going to allow ourselves to get caught up in any kind of teaching, any kind of direction, in any kind of other things that life is made up of. We can focus on health and on our benefits and, and all kinds of involvement <coughs> with um, 
that might distract us and detract us from serving the Lord. We might allow our family to be that major influence and that we cannot allow to happen. Prestige or power or position, wealth, building of wealth or, cre or creating or looking after those things for the future. Any kind of experiences or philosophies or teachings people can get involved in. Any travel or entertainment, all kinds of things can take over to be that main thing in our lives. But those are costs that are going to be born that are not going to be ta taken in our lives because Jesus is our teacher. He's our example and we're going to follow him. Another cost of serving Jesus is the cost of self-sacrifice. It's maybe pretty obvious, but Word of God tells us, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That doesn't mean you can't have any of your own interest. You do have your own interest. Not only your own interest. You do have your own interest. You need to look after them. You need to, the well, well rehearsed, um, uh, what is it? <coughs> when you get it on an aeroplane and the, ver the reverse, well rehearsed spiel, if something goes wrong, make sure you put the mask onto yourself. You've got to have your interest in mind. You've got to make sure that you're okay first. That's fine. But not only your own interest, also the interest of others. When we are believers, when we are living for Jesus, when we understand what he's done for us and what he's done for others and what others are going through and how they could have things improved in their life by following Jesus, we need to get involved. We need to, we can't save and can't help everybody, but we do need to take on an individual a family, somebody, a word, a, a cup of coffee, a, a visit, a, uh, a kind word or an encouragement in some way to encourage them, to take interest in them. Another cost of living for Jesus is the cost of self-denial. Sacrifice and denial are kind of similar, but denial what we're saying or what the Word of God says in Romans 8.13 for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The things of our flesh, the things that our mind might desire, the things that we would like to do, things like to be involved in, we put them aside. We put, we kill them. We put them to death in order to serve the Lord. Another cost is the cost of bearing the cross. It's a pretty obvious one. It's pretty graphic. It means that we are committed. It means that we deny other things. It's also a public declaration. When you have the cross, we're not actually physically carrying a cross, but it's a declaration that I am associated with and I accept the teaching of this man. If I am submitted to a teacher outside of Jesus, I'm not ashamed to be associated with him. I'm not ashamed to be seen in the light of that teacher. So I'm not going to be ashamed to be seen in how Jesus is seen. And sometimes it might mean that there is a negative stigma. There's some shame associated with that. There's some humiliation and so forth some humility 
in the life of various people we read about in God's Word and we even know about from history. There are people like Daniel who allowed the who who despite the command to not serve the Lord, to not pray, he wasn't afraid to be associated with that God of the universe and to go through what he went through. Same with Joseph. He wasn't afraid to do what's right when he was in Potiphar's household. He wasn't afraid to do what's right when he was living for Pharaoh. He wasn't afraid to report that which was negative news to his father, even though it cost him the loss of his brother's favor. The Apostle Paul we read about, he wasn't ashamed to be associated with Jesus. And we read about people through history. The Word of God we have today, people during the Reformation ages, when the Word of God was written, well, (laughs) when the Bible was only in Latin, people realized that this has got to be available to others and they started translated and the religious people of the day went on a campaign against them and many of those people died simply for translating from Latin to German to English to Spanish to all kinds of other languages just because they did that. They weren't afraid to, to take that stigma, that association with God and for what it's going to cost them. And the last thing, maybe there's a whole lot of others, but I'm just focusing on these five, is that another cost of living for Jesus is actually cost of a loss there's a loss or a death that takes place we read about the seed of grain cannot take bring forth life until it dies until it's put in the ground until it dies and then it brings life through going having roots and then then uh, growing up again we read paul says he must increase but in order for him to increase i must decrease there's a loss for me. There's a reduction for me. There's some dreams. There are some desires. There are some things that I could gain. There are some activities that I could be involved in, even through work, which are not quite right. People do them, but I'm going to choose to do what's right. I'm going to suffer a loss because I'm, going to, because I'm associated with Jesus. I'm going to suffer a loss in perhaps a dream or a desire or that, that job that I could take that's somewhere else that's not going to be where, the, where uh, there is a presence of God, where there's a house of God. Now, all kinds of things that could lead to a loss. And the Word of God tells us we read about, and it's not talking about a hate of a father or a mother, but in comparison to loving the Lord and to following Him, we count those things as, as, as a hate. So there is going to become a conflict. There's going to become a, the truth of God's word is going to cost in a relationship, perhaps with mother and father. And sometimes it does actually result in a breaking of a relationship with parents if they do not serve the Lord. And we need to do what we can to maintain a positive relationship. But it may happen that that relationship will be broken with brothers and sisters with in-laws, with all kinds of other people. And I have seen that in my life. I've heard about it. And if you're around, if you're in church long enough, if you're living for long enough, you will see it yourself. Word of God says that he that loses his life for my sake 
shall find life. It's not that we are giving away our life, but we are losing our life for his sake. In order that he would increase, we decrease. We lose what we could have, what we could gain, what we think we could gain in a physical sense, in a carnal sense. And some of those things aren't wrong. But we choose to suffer that loss and we actually have a gain. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world but lose his own soul? When we get involved in things, in the purchase of a home, in the repairs, renovations of a home, when we get involved in a pursuit of, a, of an education, when we get involved in a pursuit of a person that we're looking to spend the rest of our lives with, when we get involved in all kinds of activities, we choose and we decide and we look for the outcome. We look for what it's going to produce and we accept that along the way there's going to be a cost. If you're going to be a great athlete, it means you're probably going to spend some time going to, probably going to miss out being with a lot of friends and you might actually lose some of those friends. You might lose out on quite a bit of entertainment because if you're disciplined and if you're a sports person, you need to get your rest. And you'll probably miss out on all kinds of junk food, which people think is fun, but you've got to put those things aside. That's a cost. You're actually going to get up earlier. Are you going to spend more time running, pushing, lifting, kicking, throwing, whatever it is that you do? You're going to do it in the absence of a whole lot of people around you. You might do it in a gymnasium. You might do it in a hole in a pool. You don't consider those things. You start out on the venture and you look at what it, the meaning is going to be and you accept. You don't get phased by those things because you are looking forward to the end, to that outcome. We don't see, we don't know everything that's going to happen along the way from when the time we decide to be involved in to get to the end. But we accept that that's what it's going to be. We are prepared to see it through. That is just a part of the cost of the journey. When we follow Jesus, there are going to be costs. There are going to be some costs which are going to be, might seem like a negative cost for you. When we start off on the journey of walking with Jesus, we're looking forward to that outcome of being called a good and faithful servant, of hearing those words you have got here. Sometimes life, most people's lives, aren't an A to B journey. Most life is made up of a bit of a zigzagging and sometimes even going back and sometimes even going around in circles and sometimes even some indecision, not going which way to go at all. And those things may put us off. Those things may seem like a a big price to pay. They are the negatives. They are that, path, that zigzag path. But it's important that we get to the end. I remember hearing this, and some of you have heard it as well. There's a saying, be careful where you are looking or where you are heading because you will inevitably get to where you are looking and to, to where you are heading. When you head particular direction the things that happen along the way the waves that come the wind that comes the distractions that come the the costs the relationships that may be disrupted those 
those parents, those brothers and sisters, those hours that will be spent doing things or not doing things. Every message that's preached from this pulpit, somebody has spent time. It is a cost for that, of, of taking that time, of not doing some things that they could have been doing. There's a cost associated with that. But we don't take our eyes away from the final end. We may stumble along the way. We may not know what's going to be happening. But we know that a wise man said, King, no greater than King Solomon. Better is the end of thing than the beginning thereof. We may stumble along the way, and the, but we need to get to the end to complete what's going to be happening. There may be troubles along the way, but we can be comforted. If you would turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is getting ready, or it, the, the circumstances of life have led to these events in Acts chapter 20, where Paul says in verse 22, And now behold, or verse 21, testifying to both the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance toward God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing what things shall befall me there. Save the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying, The bonds and afflictions abide me. These things are costs. But none of these things move me. I don't consider them. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Paul knew that the end of his life is coming. He knew that there is a journey that's going to be taking to a place to the emperor. And he knew there was going to be challenges along the way, but he didn't get phased. He said, those things do not move me. Neither do I count my life dear to myself. I accept that this is the cost of living for Jesus. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Later, when he was in prison, he was encouraging those that he had visited before through his words written down and through the letters that were being sent. And he said, this is some time that he's been prisoned. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There is a cost following Jesus there is a cost of picking up the cross there is a cost of a stigma of association with him there is a cost of self-denial there's a cost of self-sacrifice there's a cost of recognizing that Jesus is the one that I'm going to be focused on there's a cost of a loss that's an apparent loss but it's actually a whole of life gain whether it's a home whether it's a relationship whatever it is there is a cost there is a cost to serving Jesus, just as there is anything else we endeavor. But we know that when we get through it, even though we may zigzag, as Solomon said, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. The prize of hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord, is what we want to hear. Praise the Lord. There is a cost of serving Jesus. Amen.